Daily life is harsh, and most of us constantly seek escape from it in fantasies and dreams. Stars feed on this weakness. Standing out from others through a distinctive and appealing style, they make us want to watch them. At the same time, they are vague and ethereal, keeping their distance and letting us imagine more than is there. Their dreamlike quality works on our unconscious. We are not even aware how much we imitate them. Welcome back to Femininity After Dark. I am your host, Keandria Balwuz. And if I sound a little weird, it's because people don't teach their kids to cover their mouths. Anyway, tonight we will learn to become an object of fascination by projecting the glittering but elusive presence of the star. fetishistic star. The objective of the fetishistic star is to become a work of art. Now what's so special about art is that oftentimes we are left to interpret the art for ourselves and so so many different people could be looking at the same piece and getting something different from it, right? Well this is what the fetishistic star does. That is so hard to say, by the way. <laughs> Fetishistic. Okay. They stimulate a variety of fantasies by keeping their distance. This allows people to interpret them and see them in the way that they want to see them, which is going to be different for everybody depending on their dreams and their fantasies and how they choose to escape from the harsh realities of this world and so they can be everything to everybody several people could look at this person and become so enthralled by them but for different reasons depending on what their own dreams and fantasies are and look like they have learned to use their face like an instrument, making it radiate vagueness for effect. So kind of like this resting bitch face that could be interpreted so many different ways by so many different people. What's coming to mind are fashion models when they're on the runway. They have this blank expression on their face and they are this, they, they're like these moving, living pieces of art. And this is why we find them to be so fascinating. So what the fetishistic star does is they have that same kind of look about them. They have this resting bitch face, we'll call it, and this intenseness to their eyes but not an intense look that is intense in a way of like wide or expressive, but more intense because it's so vague, if that makes sense. That intensity that's coming from a place of like, 
what's in their head? What are they thinking about? What's going on with them? I want to know more about them because they aren't expressing so much. I hope I explained that well, but yeah, there's this vagueness that they have in their expression, in the look on their face that really draws people in and makes people want to know what's going on with them. Who is this person? They have an attention-getting style, chic enough to dazzle people, but also weird enough to enthrall people. Think about your favorite rock stars, your favorite celebrities. Uh, someone that's coming to mind right now is Janelle Monet. She has this very interesting style. Her clothing choices are definitely chic and dazzle you, but they're also weird enough to make you enthralled by her. And her creativity is put at the forefront. So she's definitely a work of art for that reason. Because you can see the artistic expression shown through her choice of clothing. So they definitely have an attention-getting style. They're chic enough to dazzle, but also weird enough to enthrall you. What's so special about that is most people want to look like everybody else. They want to play it safe. They want to have like the basic trendy look of the moment. And so when we see someone who's not afraid to step outside of that and to be who they are, to be authentic and to be creative, we are just so impressed by that because it's so rare these days to find somebody, to see somebody who is brave enough to step out of this trendy thing that's going on in the world right now. Well, that's always been going on, but especially now with social media and influencers, everybody just wants to look like their favorite person. Everybody wants to look like the influencer or the celebrity who has seduced them, right? So in the beginning, we talked about how the star affects our unconscious and we're not even aware of how we imitate them and how these trends are even being created in the first place. Think of how many people dress up like their favorite celebrities and favorite stars and, oh, I saw this celebrity with this, so I have to have it. And, oh my God, I love it. And it's not any better than any other outfit or any other any other choice of clothing or hairstyle or whatever, the difference is who was wearing it. And so you see someone you admire, someone who has seduced you, and you think to yourself, I want to be like that. Let me wear that. Let me do that. And that's how these trends are created in the first place. So basically, the fetishistic star is a trendsetter. They are the ones who dare to be different, they dare to be bold, and once other people see this star being bold and being creative, they have the courage to do so as well because it must be the right thing to do if my favorite star is doing it.
right? Another thing, your own image and presence are materials you can control. So creating a personal brand will make people see you as superior and worthy of imitation. Here's the thing. We already have a personal brand. People already have an idea of who you are based on what you post on social media, things that you say in public, your body language, the clothing that you wear, your hairstyle, how you speak. Everything that you do has already created a personal brand for you. And this is something to keep in mind because a lot of the time, and I know that I struggled with this in the beginning, we can post things on social media and we don't really think about how that's impacting us and how that's making people see us. And I know people are like, oh, you shouldn't care what other people think of you. But at the end of the day, if you don't care what other people think of you, you will not be able to seduce because that is the name of the game. But you have to be able to control how people see you and how people think of you. And that's what you do with a personal brand. Whether you consciously focus on your personal brand or not, you have one. And so you might as well, you might as well consciously focus on your personal brand and make it into what you want it to be, control how people see you, than to just be going around all willy-nilly and then you have this personal brand that is not within your control. In order to be the master manipulator, seducer, you have to always be in control of the situation. There are ways to make it seem as if you're not controlling the situation, but at the end of the day, you always need to be in control of the situation and the dynamics of your relationship with your with your victims, with your targets. And when we're talking about the star, just like the charismatic, this is seducing on a mass level, on a grand scale. This is more than just seducing one person. The star is able to seduce thousands of people around the world. And so if your goal as a seducer is to be able to seduce damn near everybody, even become famous, then you definitely have to be in control of your brand. You definitely have to be in control of your image. And so definitely, how many times am I going to say definitely? <laughs> Take a shot every time I say definitely. <laughs> you have to be in control of your image. This is very, very important. This is very crucial. People already have an idea of who you are in their heads. Just you doing what you're doing right now. So you might as well take control of the situation. My example for this is the model Iman. Whenever I think about this beautiful work of art, I always think of Iman. She is just so beautiful. I mean, she's perfect. <laughs> you just want to look at her. You want to watch her like we talked about in the beginning of this episode. I remember the first time I saw her, I was a kid 
and I was watching Michael Jackson's short film, Remember the Time, and oh my god, I became like, I became obsessed with this person. I was like, who is that? She is like so perfect, and she's beautiful, and she just sat there, and she was so poised and so calm, and if you go back and watch that short film, there was this vagueness to her facial expression. And she just sat there like a living work of art on her throne. And it was so, so beautiful. Definitely go back and watch that short film to get a better idea of what I'm talking about. But oh my God, like she's everything, okay? So when you're thinking about work of art, People like Iman, people like, um, well, yeah, she's, she's the one coming to mind right now. See, I can't even think about anyone else. She's successfully seduced me. Uh, so, yeah, basically the key points, vagueness for effect, attention getting, style, and being in control of your personal brand so that you can become a work of art. The mythic star. Of all the character types, the mythic star is perhaps the most powerful of all. They have a purpose and they are passionate, but they discuss things that everyone can relate to instead of targeting one group, which would only limit their influence. So they make their passion and their purpose something that everyone can relate to. For example, everyone knows what it feels like to be afraid or to be worried about what the future holds. And so they would make that their purpose and what they're passionate about instead of something that divides people, something that other people can't relate to. They make their passion and their focus something that everybody has felt everyone can relate to they have a physical presence. They are calm and sure of themselves and poised, in control, and they take on the pose of a mythic star, but they make it vague and subliminal. So what I took from this, taking on the pose of a mythic star, say, for example, someone really loved Batman. So they would kind of pose themselves in a way I'm sorry, in a way that Batman poses himself, but they wouldn't make it as obvious. It would be more subliminal so that people would unconsciously associate them with the attributes that Batman has that are admirable. Their words and their actions hint at something beyond the surface, but are left up for interpretation. So they're never extremely detailed in their words or their actions. They always hint that something is beyond the surface. Like there's something more to what they're saying or what they're doing. Like there's a method to their madness, so to speak. Also, if they have an opponent, they make sure that their opponent isn't seen as just an enemy, but a demon or a villain someone who's incredibly bad and doesn't want what's best for you. And you can see this in the way that a lot of politicians position themselves before 
the people of their country. Their opponent is bad and doesn't want what's best for the people. Their opponent is a villain. You should be against them, and this is why. But this is what I plan to do for you. Um, and the example that Robert Greene gave for the mythic star was John F. Kennedy. According to Robert Greene, John F. Kennedy was the first politician to take on the approach of the mythic star. And this is why he was able to seduce people in the way that he was able to. This is why he was able to seduce people in the way that he did, because he he took on this pose of the mythic star. And everything that John F. Kennedy did was very calculated, very planned, very Hollywood. He mentioned mythic heroes and theater. Uh, I know he mentioned Camelot and stuff like that. And he made his opponent seem to be a villain who wanted to attack and didn't like young people. And so people could relate because it was like young versus old. And this is the future. This is what I want to happen for us. Things must change and things can't change if we have this old person in office because they can't see the future. They can't see the new way of doing things. And so he positioned himself as the hero of that situation. And that's how he was able... That's how he was able to win people over. So he made his opponent the villain and he made himself the hero. He let people identify with him being young and kind of positioned himself as the underdog with great intentions. And if you really love this country, if you really love... If you really love young people and believe that young people are the future, then vote for me, that kind of thing. Like, obviously, he didn't say it that way, but that was, that's what was being suggested. So he let people identify with him without being able to touch him, without being able to get too close to him. He wasn't, he didn't let people in on, like, too much of his personal life he positioned himself as the mythic hero or the mythic star and kept his distance in that way so just like with the fetishistic star the mythic star still keeps their distance they can only watch and dream and escape through the mythic star people will want to know you Exploit this by showing people peaks of your private life, the causes you fight for, the person you're in love with for the moment. This is why your favorite influencers make vlogs, and this is why those videos are so popular. People want a peek into the private life of those they admire, those they look up to, but you still don't get everything. And that's the difference. You can give people a little sneak peek into your life so that they feel like they are getting to know you, but still you're keeping your distance, okay? And 
what makes this so effective is people are feeling connected to you. People want to know you. So there has to be a balance. You can't be so vague and private to where people become suspicious of you or people just lose interest in you altogether. It's very important that you keep yourself in the public eye if you're going to be the star. But you also want to keep your distance for your own sanity and safety and also just for the purpose of seduction because it works a lot better when you keep your distance. You don't want to become too familiar to your target because then you're just like everybody else they know. And that's not special. That's not exciting. You're just that other person who's just like them, you know, like their next door neighbor, the the girl next door. That's not exciting. That's not seductive. Okay. Make people identify with you by becoming an archetype. For example, the underdog being the underdog is actually really powerful because then people will always be rooting for you and they'll put in even more effort to see you win because they'll be able to identify with that underdog, uh, with the feeling of being the underdog. At some point, most of us have felt like that, like, like people didn't believe that we could do it. And it's really satisfying to see someone overcome all of these obstacles. It makes us feel like we're winning right along with them especially when we've taken an active role in helping them to overcome those obstacles, we win at the same time. So take on an archetype. It doesn't have to be the underdog. That's just an example. Definitely do your research and look up different archetypes, but you can pretty much find yours if you think about your favorite characters from a TV show or a movie or a book they'll have at least a few things in common and that will let you know what your archetype is. Say you like Wednesday Adams and Maleficent and let's say, I'm trying to think of one more person, Catwoman. You like Maleficent, Wednesday Adams, and Catwoman. Think about what they have in common and then you can form your archetype from there. So there's a little tip. Make your type dramatic and noticeable and easy to imitate. So there's the major difference between the mythic star and the fetishistic star. The fetishistic star is a lot more vague. The mythic star is a lot more bold and dramatic and obvious because they are mythic. (laughs) They are presenting themselves as this this Superman, this Batman, all your favorite comic book heroes and stuff like that. <laughs> they're they're presenting themselves in that way. And so it's going to be a lot more grand, a lot bigger, a lot more dramatic. Also, remember to adapt to changing times because you do not <laughs> you do not want to be doing the same things that you were doing in the 70s when it is 
2022, almost 2023. It's just not going to work the same. And something that's coming to mind, I don't know if you've ever seen I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. I fucking love the Wayans. They are so hilarious. That is one of my favorite movies. But there was a scene where this pimp was finally getting out of jail and he had on the same clothes that he had on when he went in there in like the 70s and he had these like platform shoes that had fish in them and he was like dressing all loud and like you know 70s pimp and people were just like laughing at him he was walking out thinking that he was still stylish and that he was just like still that dude and everybody was like laughing at him and like it was it was pretty bad. So you don't want to be like that. Definitely adapt to changing times. Make sure that you're staying relevant. The worst thing you could possibly do is get stuck in your ways and not evolve because then you'll just you'll become irrelevant and nobody will want to have their eyes on you anymore. They're going to move on to the next thing. Definitely Keep up with what's going on at the moment. Not saying that you have to completely fall into trends, but you don't want to fall behind either. Dangers. The biggest danger is really people losing interest in you. You want to make sure that you are always keeping yourself in the public eye. And no matter what, remember that all publicity is good publicity because stars are almost always forgiven like stars who have had the biggest scandals still have fans there are still people who refuse to give up their favorite star i mean think about r kelly and bill cosby right people are still fans of theirs they still have power because they established themselves as stars in the first place and a lot of people will ignore their faults and things that they've done because they're a star. And so that tells you how powerful being the star really is. Because no matter what they do, people will ignore it or make up an excuse, justify their behavior even in a way that they would not justify that behavior in someone who didn't possess that star quality. So definitely stay in the public eye. All publicity is good publicity because no matter what people are saying about you, you're still being talked about. And this only adds to your appeal and it only adds to your fame. But it can be tiring to be gazed at all the time. So make sure that you Take all of the attention that you're receiving with a grain of salt. Don't be consumed by it. Don't become obsessed with gaining attention from people because that could honestly make you go crazy. Like all of these Hollywood stars that you see who end up having drug problems or they end up kind of going through some crisis that causes them to have some mental health issues. A lot of that stems from, you know, trauma that they've experienced, but it's also this 
this becoming obsessed with the attention that they receive or becoming so tired by the attention that they receive that they need to escape from it all with drugs and alcohol and things of that sort. So definitely keep your distance and don't become too caught up in all the attention that you receive. And if you need a break, definitely take a break but keep yourself in the public eye at the same time. Now, I have this idea that I feel like celebrities do a lot. Have you ever noticed that right before a celebrity takes some time off, they have this really embarrassing thing that happens or this scandal and then they take time off? I feel like this is them controlling the the law of rhythm and controlling when they're able to take a break from all the attention that they're receiving while still staying in the public eye, if that makes sense. For example, the slap that Will Smith gave Chris Rock. Right after that, Will Smith went on this break and on this vacation, right? This was him taking a break from getting all the attention that he gets by being a star, but he's also still in the public eye. So he's able to take that time off, but people don't lose interest in him. He's still, you know, being talked about. Just a little theory that I have. Let me know what you think about that. Join our Facebook group, Femininity After Dark. We can have a discussion. I love talking about this type of stuff. I have so many theories about things that celebrities do to keep themselves in the public eye, to take a break from things from time to time. I, I just have so many ideas that I would love to discuss with you all. Also, if you know anyone who is a business owner and they'd like promo on the podcast, make sure that you message me privately or ask me for details in the Facebook group. And I will be more than happy to share that with you. This podcast is growing every single day and I'm really excited about it. And I would love for us all to benefit from the success of this podcast because again, This podcast would not be successful without all of my amazing listeners. And so we might as well all benefit from from this. (laughs) Symbol, the idol, a piece of stone carved into the shape of a god, perhaps glittering with gold and jewels. The eyes of the worshippers fill the stone with life, imagining it to have real powers. Its shape allows them to see what they want to see a god, but it is actually just a piece of stone. The god lives in their imagination. Now, this is really, really interesting to me because where I'm at on my spiritual journey, I've begun to believe that we are the gods of our realities. And any other God that we believe in, they have power because we give them that power with our imagination. But in reality, we are the God. We are the ones with the power over our reality. We bring all things to pass in our lives. 
with that same imagination. And I feel like we give a lot of energy and a lot of, a lot of power to these gods that are really archetypes. They're archetypes and they are symbols of aspects of life and aspects of ourselves. And we've given them this shape and this name and these healing powers that really reside within ourselves. And so when we're talking about these gods, we're really talking about aspects of ourselves and these archetypes that help us to understand aspects of life a lot better. They're aspects of life personified, but we give them this power of the idol, the God, and we look outside of ourselves for support and healing and a savior when really we're the ones in control of our reality. And so that's just something to think about. It's also a way to protect you from being too caught up in celebrities or becoming too obsessed with one person and being seduced by a star. Just remember that they are an archetype and what you admire within them is most likely within yourself as well. And you're really being called to love on that part of yourself a lot more. You're being called to tap into that part of yourself a lot more. Whenever you're drawn to a certain god or an idol, a star, you're being called to draw upon the power that you hold within yourself that matches up with the archetype that they're showing you. Anytime you're attracted to something in someone else, it's because you possess the same thing and you unconsciously desire to tap into that power that you hold. So that's something I just wanted to share with you guys. I wasn't going to add that to this segment, but it just felt right to say that. I feel like someone needed to hear that message. I know that not everybody will agree with my take on gods, my take on deities, whatever you want to call them, but it is my belief. Let me know, do you agree? Do you see these gods as symbols? Do you see them as archetypes or do you think there's a little bit more to it? Let me know in the comment section or in our Facebook group. Thank you so much for listening in on this episode of Femininity After Dark. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Next week, we will discuss the anti-seducer and what plays to avoid in the game of seduction. Now, next week is the last episode of this season. I have decided to split this book up in two seasons because the book is just that long so what we're going to do is next week we're going to talk about the anti-seducer 
the things that are not seductive, those things you should not be doing if you are wanting to seduce someone. And then we will talk about how to actually seduce step by step season three. So thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.